0: To episode five of Late Night Linux Extra, recorded on the 27th of August 2018. And I'm Joe. And remember, I said we'd keep this feed around for special occasions? Well, here's one of those special occasions. Uh, it was the live recording from Odd Camp, which was recorded on Saturday, the 18th of August, so just over a week ago. In the intro of the live recording, I explain who's who and what it's all about, so I won't do that twice now. Um, towards the end, the kind of second half of it, some of the audio isn't brilliant because the crowd mic wasn't recorded as well as it possibly could have been, um, but it's all right. It was a bit of a tough edit, but we got there in the end. Uh, so I won't do an outro; it'll just be the end of the recording and then fade out to the music. So, without further ado, here is the Odd Camp live show. Right then, everyone, welcome to the main stage extravaganza. Woo! Woo!
1: Take it off. <laughs> Steady so on. Uh, it's not that kind first. of
0: show. <laughs> so what the extravaganza really is is a live podcast recording. He lies. It's an extravaganza because yeah, yeah. It's, it's for anyone be... listening, we are all naked now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Odd Camp was started by a couple of podcasts, the Ubuntu Podcast and Woo! Linux Outlaws back in Woo-hoo! the day, and so that's why traditionally this spot has been either a quiz or a um, podcast. And so we thought we'd do that. This time it's uh, a podcast made up of various people from different shows. Um, I am Joe Ressington from um, Late Night Linux and Linux Action News. Um, And so, uh, who are you? Um, Okay, Uh, so I am John,
2: sometimes known as John the Nice Guy. Uh, I am... Sorry, uh, uh, less of the quote marks, thank you very much. Um, I am a nice guy. He is a very nice guy. Uh, I am the, the... podcaster who does uh, a podcast where I do no, no talking, uh, cchits.net. Uh, uh, and I am, as of this year, also a podcaster from the Admin Admin Podcast. Thanks, fans.
3: Thank you.
2: Rapturous applause. ha!
4: more more chair claps than you. Guilt them into it, John. Right, and so next up,
5: camp Woo! My name's Martin Wimpress. Uh, I'm a presenter on the Ubuntu podcast and sometime talking head on the Linux Unplugged podcast.
0: And he also makes a distro or something. Yeah, that. Um, Right, so one of the founding members of our uh, camp originally... Uh. Yeah, so I heard about this thing called Og Camp,
4: and I thought I'd come and see what it's about. Um, yeah, so my name's Dan uh, Dan Lynch. Some of you will know me, some of you won't, but don't worry about it, it's fine. Um, you might be better off that way. Um, so I'm, I I do. A, I used to do a show called Linux Outlaws uh, with Fab, who some of you will know. And we, uh, along with the Ubuntu podcast, um over there, loads of people around who were involved at the time. Um, Without making this too long, I did warn Joe, I've just had a (laughs) double espresso, so you may have to stop me. That's (laughs) why we've got an hour to to fill, don't worry. (laughs) When we were at Lug Radio Live in 2008, and they were going to finish it, um, Popey came up to me and Fab and said, who's organizing this next year, you or us? And it turned out to be both of us, uh, which was great. So um, yeah, long story short, we did that. Um, I do uh, music stuff and I do Floss Weekly on the Twit Network. Woo. And I'm a huge comic book geek, that's why I've got a Punisher t-shirt on. Um, I couldn't find my old camp t-shirt, that's the only reason it's not a passive-aggressive thing. Um, so yeah, and I do bits of software development and other things, and that's probably enough for now. Yeah,
0: alright, and finally, last but not least.
6: Yeah, hi, I'm Dave, um, Dave Lee, I am a podcaster, I've been podcasting for just over ten years. In fact, I've been podcasting one day longer than Alan Pope. It was a good day, though, wasn't well, it? Well, it was a very good day. All <laughs> um, so, well, podcasting went downhill. <laughs> so, yeah, I host a uh, music podcast with the wife. I don't know where she is. She should be in this room. So she's probably uh, chasing after Still the kids. On the top floor, I think. Yeah, probably. Um, I've been involved in a number of podcasts over the years. I'm a, a Linux user at home, have been for um, well over 12 years now. Um, but unfortunately, during the day, I, I work for the man. Um, I'm a Microsoft um, employee Ooh. not employee but i work with the microsoft products uh but i i also help with the admin podcast i produce the uh, produce the show
0: right so that's who we all are uh, so what are we going to talk about um well because uh camp is it's not just about free and open source software it's about free culture in general so i thought we'd try and widen it a little bit more this year um and so the the first topic of discussion was something that john came up with yep. um which is, are we doing enough towards uh, collaboration culture, which includes free and open source software, creative commons, and open hardware. Um, the, one of the first questions that Martin had for me was, who is we? So, John, you, you posed the question, who, who is we? So, um, obviously, we're, we're all involved in podcasts. Um,
2: and uh, some of us also work with, you know, open source and stuff projects so from a certain perspective you know are, are we who are involved in open source or podcasting are we doing enough to kind of encourage people towards doing collaboration culture things so things like free and open source software but obviously odd camp is as you said about more than just free software and dave and i and dan have all been doing sort of music stuff for for years and years and years so it 's all about Creative Commons as well and are we doing enough to encourage people who aren 't so obviously a lot of the a lot of what what people who work in free software and open source and all that sort of stuff they tend to preach to the converted they 're talking to the to the choir and they 're not really going out and talking to the masses about free software and is there more that we could be doing to be talking about you know <laughs> Pretty much the two things that people always talk about when they're talking about collaboration culture is Wikipedia and Linux. And it's only really students that know Wikipedia, typically, and it's only really geeks that know Linux.
4: So, so what are we doing wrong? What could we be doing better? So, so I've got a question, an uninformed question. Is collaboration culture a defined term? What, what does that mean? Because I have not, I mean, I know what the two words mean and what it means to me, but is that <laughs> like a brand? Is that like no, 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 no. So, okay. so, so have you coined
0: this term? Uh, yeah,
2: this is. So this is a uh, copyright, John Spriggs, and uh, <laughs> is it is it creative commons? creative commons? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I want right. a fee for this one, uh, on all of your feeds, wherever this ends up. No. Right. Um, Hang so, on. so, so, uh, I mean, so the reason I, I started using the term collaboration culture is because uh, when I was trying to spam everyone about OddCamp. Um, was running out of space in the tweets to say what it was all about. So that's why I coined the term collaboration culture.
4: Yeah, so. uh, well, on the OddCamp o- side of it, when when we came up with o- camp and because it's not uh, a name that makes a lot of sense to a lot of people, um, that was pro- probably mostly my fault because we came up with a load of names and I said, let's call it OddCamp, And people were like, okay. And then I did what I normally do, which is talk about, 200 mile an hour until he went, okay, we'll call it Og Camp, um, which is fine, uh, but it actually meant at the time it was it was the whole mixture of open source and free software stuff, but also media and technology mixing into like music and culture, so it was the Og side of it was about sound and music and all of that, and then obviously it also encompasses the thing, and then it was a Bar Camp, so it's a compound term essentially, but... The problem we had was describing what it is to people. So collaboration culture, actually, is probably a really good description. Because I tend to go, it's about open source, free software, blah, 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 and then you have to explain each of those terms. Yeah. And then you have to go, well, it's about free culture. And they go, well, what's that? And you have to go, mm, well, it's about that. And then, So maybe that's a good way of doing it, actually, collaboration culture. I quite like that. So I might steal that off you, even if it is copyright. Yeah, that's fine. No worries.
2: <laughs>
0: Five pence per use, per download. License. Yeah. One user license. Is it Yeah. Anyway,
2: moving on, yeah. moving on.
0: So Dan, you used to do Linux Outlaws and you'd always play uh, a song at the end of it that Uh was um, Creative Commons and the whole Mm. show was Creative Commons as well. Um, And that actually turned me on to what Creative Commons was in the first place because of that. Um, So maybe we should be doing more of that. But I don't know. The thing is, if, if you do a music podcast, then that's a music podcast. But if you do uh you know just a a speaking podcast then yeah it's it's difficult i think to uh, you know you found that formula of putting it at the end
4: yeah i think for me so sorry i don't know how to cut you off but the thing for me is a lot of people come to me and they say so for example my twitter feed is a random load of stuff but it's just all me and it's like i'm going to talk about liverpool football club sorry and you know music and linux and Lately, the Terminator a lot, because I watched Judgment Day again recently. Awesome film. Um, and other things. And then occasionally, I'll put something out, and I get a message back from someone going, I don't expect this from you. I come here for Linux news. And I'm well, any kids in? Anyway, I say, go away. <laughs> and um, basically, I don't. I think it, but I don't say it. Because I think, well, someone's left already. Um, <laughs> yes, um, I think, um, yeah, you know, It's all about just me. So if you sit around thinking about, should we have music at the end, and should we have this, people like different things. And if you're not authentic, if you're not just who you are, I like Linux, and I like music. And funnily enough, there's an awful lot of people probably in this room who like Linux and like music. So why can't we talk about both? And you know, it's, I don't know, it's a strange one. So for me, it was just like, it wasn't a, a contrived thing of like, let's do this. It was just, I like music. Suddenly, Linux Outlaws had an audience. So I was like, let's share music by people that I like with this audience. And that was kind of why we did it, I suppose.
0: Yeah, so Dave, what's your motivation for doing the music podcast? Because that's all Creative Commons, isn't it? The stuff you play. Uh,
6: not, not entirely, no. I mean, just to respond to, to Dan for a second, um, I'm part of a, a podcast called Tux Jam. Um, Andrew and Manalu's in this, the audience as well. Um, and that combines Linux and Creative Commons as well. So it does work. It's a working formula. But as far as the music's concerned, when I first started uh, the, the Bugcast, which is the music one um, that I do with the wife, uh, it wasn't really about the music. It was more a platform for me. I started podcasting to prove that I could do it because there were other podcasters around that, yeah, sounded like a good thing to do, so I tried it and it worked. But then I started realising that there was really good quality music and it didn't exist in the charts. It existed in this a small pocket of, um, of, of artists that were willing to give their music away for free or under a, um, a, a much more permissive license than you'll get from uh, copyrighted material. And it was around about that time that I, I discovered uh, Gemendo, which is the main source of the music we get at the moment and is also the main source of the music that goes into CC Hits because it's our podcast that feeds CC Hits, You Are Welcome. Um, so, for all, all three of you that
2: download CC Hits, <laughs> just,
4: just very quickly I used to use CC Hits as basically the upstream for my Rat Hole Radio podcast. I'd listen. You are to welcome. CC, exactly. <laughs> so I'd listen to CC Hits and go that one, that one, that one. Cool. It was upstream for me, so I definitely consumed it a lot.
0: So you were basically the mint to John's Ubuntu to Dave's Debian, kind (laughs) of, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah,
2: yeah. Just, just for any of the geeks in the audience, for the non-geeks in the audience,
0: nobody here is going to understand that joke, (laughs) not at all. Um, Not at all. (laughs) So, are are we doing enough? Then, I mean, is it enough to just do events like this um, and do podcasts and you know make YouTube videos? How, How can we? Get this message about collaboration culture to people who don't know about
5: it. There's a question there, right? How many of you here at OGCAMP have never been to OGCAMP before? Good question. Oh wow, wow, wow. that's, that's almost, amazing. That's yeah. a good. Question. How, 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 the many of, that's how many of you with of your people. hands up have been to an event like this before? So you've been to other events around, you know, half, open maybe. source, free software, Creative <clears throat> Commons, and stuff like that.
4: Okay, interesting. Mm. That's really cool. So, yeah, about half the people, like, you know, and, and that's that's amazing. So, what, I think the preaching of the converted thing is a real problem for a lot of people. I mean, you get, you often get, like, uh, groups, community groups, where they'll only allow people in who, are, you know, staunchly, whatever, free software, I'm not picking on a certain group, but free software or whatever it might be. And that's not really expanding the pool any. It's only preaching to people who are already on the, you know, who are already in, involved. But how do you get out of that? It's difficult, because in terms of music um, and so on like that, you were saying about the music you got through Gemendo and mm. Creative Commons. Sadly, in the music world and other culture stuff, there's the attitude that there used to be about free and open source software, which is it's by amateurs, so how could it be any good? And you're like, well, who works harder on their software? The, the person who goes into work and is forced to sit there for eight hours a day Doing something that they hate. And then, or the person who goes home and does that in their free time because they love it. You know, that is what makes people do it. And the music's the same. It's the same. But in the music world as well, you've got more, even more of the corporate thing where you're like, oh, you've got to have advertising, you've got to make money, you've got to sign merchandising deals and all this kind of stuff. And that's all changing. So I don't know. As a musician, here's a question for
0: you, Joe, as a musician, how would you feel about how do you feel about releasing stuff under Creative Commons? Well, I feel like whenever I create anything, whether that's a podcast or music or videos, or whatever, I want as many people to view it, listen to it or whatever as possible. And therefore, I would always do stuff under a Creative Commons license because I want them to share it. I don't want there to be any restrictions on it. I, I would, I always use the um, non-commercial clause because I don't want people making money from my stuff without, you know, paying me for it. But if people want to share it, then great, yeah. That, that's the whole point of it. But I think that... Um, we, whenever I start a new podcast, and I've been guilty of starting quite a few in my time, um, I always get emails from a couple of people or messages saying, "What license is it under? If you've got, if you don't put a license on it, then it's um, all rights reserved, and people can't." But the reality is that most people who listen to podcasts would never even consider that idea. It's podcasts are free, and you know, and it, it, to a lesser extent now. Um, I think with things like Spotify and netflix it, i don 't think that um, so called piracy is as big a deal as it was, but people just expect things for free and don 't even consider that it is um, under any license at all they don 't that, that just never enters their head that thought mm. and so I- is it even important i mean if you if you put your stuff up on um, i don 't know bandcamp or whatever and just for free. Then people would expect to be able to download it and share it with their friends, even though technically they would be breaking copyright laws by doing so. Mm. So the question is, does it, e- you know, does it even matter? Is it, is it not just a formality, the Creative Commons thing, or you know, the license? And similarly with code as well. Mm. Um, these days, a lot of people will just put code on GitHub with no license, um, just expecting people to use it or whatever.
6: I think the sad fact of it is that nobody actually cares. If, you, if you're thinking about releasing podcasts, if you put a podcast out there, yeah, by default, it's all rights reserved. But if you put it under Creative Commons license, what does that actually give the listener who is just downloading it and listening to it because they want to hear what you've got to say? So,
2: so here's a question. The GitHub thing's a really good example of that. So as of like about two years ago, everything I, everything I put on GitHub was always GPL or AGPL or something like that. I'm not going to talk about licenses so all right. this right we, pro- we promised licenses. Martin we wouldn't yeah. but uh, I've snuck um, it in the the last this last year I've gone to using uh, uh, the unlicense basically just this is this is for anyone to use because I've come to the conclusion that I want to put a license on there because meh, it's it, I I understand why the license is there but actually you're right no one is going to care about what the license is that's on there. So why not just
4: say do what you want with it? Well the point is they don't care to the degree that you can put it under the most restrictive corporate license in the world and someone will get it off BitTorrent anyway. True. So what does it matter? You know, it doesn't make any difference. I see what you're saying about that. It, it yeah. raises
6: awareness that this kind of material is available legitimately true. rather true, than having true. to go through illegitimate, illegitimate means to find it.
5: Okay, I can't believe we're talking about licenses, but here we go. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> it. He loves it. <laughs> um, we're talking about uh, uh, building a collaboration culture and promoting mm. it, and, mm. and the only thing that those licenses do is, uh, in my opinion, in this topic, it is make it possible for people to collaborate around software development. Mm. You know, that choose the right license and pe- people can get involved in your project. Mm. But just using that license doesn't automatically mean people are going to collaborate with you. It requires you to do something else in order to promote the fact that this project is out there and that you're looking for developers and people, you know, translators, uh, QA, you know, there's a whole raft of things, artists, to get involved. And in my experience in software development, there's a couple of platforms that we've been able to use. So um, for those of you that don't know me, I work on a... Um, a project called Mate Desktop. It's one of the um, desktop environments that's available for um, Linux and Unix. Uh, And we've used um, the Google Summer of Code program a few years ago where we mentored four university students Uh, And that's to try and bring them into, one, uh, the open source culture, working with open source projects. They get to build a bit of a profile and demonstrate to prospective employees in the future that they've participated in some meaningful way to a project and they had, you know, deliverable outcomes. And then uh, just recently at the end of last year, there's another Google event called the CodeIn. And that's aimed at uh, students between the ages of 13 and 17. And the idea is similar. It's to actually uh, involve uh, those students in collaborating with um, open source and free software projects and you define just um, it's amazing actually it was a it was a fire hose of activity that we got from all of these students over a three month period and we actually struggled keeping pace with adding new projects to, we, we were doing this for Ubuntu as a whole, but um, we had over um, 700 projects completed in that three month period with a load of students. And it, it was, in some cases, their first introduction to contributing to free and open source projects and Linux distributions and things like that. But I don't know how you would, is there a similar framework for music and creative outputs, where you can mentor people in that way, or mentor students in particular, you know, the next generation. Because I don't know if you've noticed for the listeners, uh, you can't see us, we're all quite old up here. Hey, speak Oi. for yourself. <laughs>
4: hey. Sunshine. Um, We've so all got grey hairs. I don't know. Well, they, if those of us have got hair. <laughs> I don't know, I suspect Dave might have thoughts on this, but like PRS, I was going to mention. So the Performing Rights Society, who are the people who are in charge of collecting royalties for music. Uh, in the UK they do have mentorship programs where they get in um, young musicians and artists and they try and mentor them into it. but the thing is with them their whole reason for existence is to collect license fees so they're indoctrinating in a way these people into a your thing must be restricted you must protect your copyright make sure no one copies what you do that's where they're coming from so unfortunately they're not producing young artists who are interested in sharing as much because they're already teaching them about not sharing, if you like. So, I don't know. What's your thoughts about PRS and stuff?
6: Yeah, well, in, in terms of the, of the, well, I don't have any real opinion on the PRS per se, but in terms of um, uh, releasing material or, or creating material under copyright, let's use music, music as the example, it's fostering an approach of you have to make money out of this. And in order to make money out of it, you have to protect it. In order to protect it, you have to prevent other people from using it in a way that is non-conducive to that money coming in. Mm. So what's what's the incentive for a musical artist or any other artist releasing under Creative Commons to release under Creative Commons, it's, if they're not going to get the money coming It's in.
4: kind of like adoption, though, isn't it? And, and I had a great discussion with Simon Phipps, who's up there at the back, about, in the software context, adoption before. Um, but if we're saying about music, so here's a great example. Does anybody here like Iron Maiden by any chance? Yeah? everyone Not everyone, but yeah, a few people <laughs> here like Iron Maiden. Mark's around somewhere, he likes Iron Maiden. Um, so does anyone know what Iron Maiden did with their last tour of South America, where they They looked at the BitTorrent stats for where their stuff was most pirated, (laughs) and then they arranged their tour around the areas where they were most pirated, because they could see that that was where they, and it sold out instantly. The tour sold out. To be and fair,
2: that doesn't doesn't Iron Maiden usually sell out instantly.
4: Well, fair enough. But I thought <laughs> the whole. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Of course it does, because yeah, two minutes to midnight. Um I'm right. but But um, again, this sh- shirt kind of fits for that, doesn't it? Um, but um, yeah, I just thought you know you could sit round and go oh, like. You know, I also love Metallica, but they, they sit, I'm getting into Metal here, but they sit around whinging about oh people are stealing our stuff, and you think well maybe you just need to like look at what is going on and use that information to realise that you're reaching more people and they want to buy concert tickets and a lot of people Metallica exactly were a band who became popular because the radio wouldn't play them, but people used to share cassettes and now they're against sharing. They yeah. wouldn't have a career without sharing.
0: Yeah. So, I'm getting, so I'm getting passionate now. Well, but also, um, <laughs> if you really look at how the music industry traditionally has worked over the last like 50 years, um, record sales, unless you're selling millions and millions, yeah, yeah. artists very, very seldom get any money at all. And they only make money by playing live. Yeah. And so it would actually make sense for them to release their stuff for free, in both senses of the word, free. Um, to drive people to like them and come and see them live and pay them money. So bringing this back to to the subject a little bit, yeah, is is what you're
2: saying is we need to do like a massive mailing campaign to like every every major artist and say, oi,
4: give you give you. I think friend. we need to get Bruce Dickinson in here to sort this <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> speak to John. because I well up for, for that. <laughs> but no, I think so. Bringing it back to the point about how do you spread this beyond our you know small circles, if you like, you've got to engage with people outside of your own group so everybody in here has got i don't want to say responsibility because you know do what you like it's all cool but you know if we believe in something we've got a responsibility to at least tell other people and it's up to them whether they believe in it
2: so taking that quick question for the audience how many of you use again so how many of you use linux at home
0: almost everyone
2: okay right how many of you have converted one other person to use linux
0: but yeah, wow. two-thirds, maybe. Yeah, we'll quite count a lot. for the
2: win. Okay. How many of you listen to Creative Commons music? Not so many. Not so many. Okay. About cu- that- a
4: quarter of the people. Okay.
2: Of the people that listen to Creative Commons music, how many of you have
5: encouraged another person to listen to a Creative Commons
2: podcast? You
4: have as well, so you can okay. put your hand up. Okay. Okay. Not now, that I've many. I've got a
5: follow-on question from that, right? we. I mentioned the fact that if you use um, an open-source license on your software... It, it enables people to collaborate with you, okay? If you license your music under a Creative Commons license, for example, is there any incentive or a movement to have artists collaborate with one another? Because you've uh, you've effectively put your music out there and people could remix with it, for example.
4: Yeah, well, you can make the same argument for, like, code. So, uh, without being funny, uh, and I don't want to get too far into the license, how much do you know about Creative Commons licenses? Uh, not a lot, this is why okay, I'm asking the so question. Okay, so let me break it down for you. So. Creative Commons licenses. There's a whole suite of licenses that, sorry guys, there's a whole suite of licenses, and they all have different clauses. And actually, you can have everything from a GPL-style copyleft, where there's no derivatives, unless it's you know all that sort of stuff. And then you have um, attribution. So attribution would be the equivalent of, say, a BSD license, where people can take it and do what they want as long as they keep the attribution. Um, And then there's all these different things in between. And in terms of collaboration, One of the best things is, um, what's that site? Is it called CC? CC Mixter. CC Mixter, which is a thing that, that, uh, uh, like a repository, if you like, almost like a GitHub for samples and music that people release, like, say, riffs or drum beats or whatever, under a Creative Commons license is for remixing. And I know if I'm making a track and I need, you know, a drum beat, I can go to that. And take it and use the you know right. depending on what Brilliant. license it's so th- this is why
5: I was asking the yeah, question yeah. because yeah, yeah.
4: that that perfectly explains you know that there is
5: a a palette of audio clips and sounds and music that you can actually reuse and and free like libraries create something, yeah. a, you know like libraries in a program but why is this you. not why is
0: this not taught in music colleges then this um, what's it called C- 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 mixer. C- C- mixer. cc mixter CC mixter because um when I was at music college, if they told me about that I would have definitely used it because when I first started making music, I would use a lot of samples, I had a lot of old records and stuff, but then it dawned on me, hang on, if I'm actually gonna make any money from this stuff, as, it, as I was nearing that and never actually did, but anyway, it, it dawned on me I can't be using these samples because it's gonna cost me too much money. Um, if I'd known about something like that at the time, then I would have definitely used that. So, so what you're
2: saying is the reason you didn't do that is because you didn't want to become the next Vanilla Ice? Hey, it's but, not rhyming
4: Vanilla Ice, man. Ice is back with it. Anyway, let's yeah, not get yeah. into that. <laughs> I've got the mic. I'm kind of like, yeah. um, So <laughs> <laughs> <Should> <laughs> I did I say in boxing? the pub last night, we were talking about uh, ZFS or ZFS if you're American. And um, we started getting into, I think it was me and Popey and someone else talking about parity discs. And it was like, th- and he said, this is the most like odd camp discussion ever, but everyone's partying away. And I kind of wanted to shout, when I say parity, you <laughs> shout disc, you know, and like get them going. Like, um, okay. But it didn't quite work. There was loads of drunk people in the pub going, what are those people doing? Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so back to the point about why didn't you do that or why didn't you know about it? Well, t- apart from the fact that John's already called us all old. Um, CC Mixer
0: hasn't been around that long yeah yeah I'm not saying that that it was but I'm saying why uh, well is it taught in music colleges so when I was at
2: music
4: college which was a few years ago um, so
2: so in the audience we have we have somebody that works at a media college and and he's kind of shaking his head at me at the moment so yeah why can't
4: we hear from what people have got to say as well it's not known about okay brilliant so, okay. so just just for the recording
2: later uh, we have, a, we have a, a, a guarantee from somebody in the audience who's going to take it back to their college about ccmixter.org so thank you very Yay. much Yay. Yay. Yeah,
5: yeah. I, uh, so w- I think we've met our objective of actually improving yeah. the collaboration and mentoring fight, fight uh, the power around uh, free fight culture yeah. be-
0: alright well we're kind of halfway through so we should move on to the second topic then um, and this is something that you Martin came up with so uh, ask the question to us
5: yeah, so in the light of the um, recent uh, announcement from Dropbox, if you're not familiar, that they've um, stepped back from uh, multi-file system support on Linux and are uh, prescribing just uh, EXT4 as a supported file system that Dropbox can will be compatible with from November this year. And then a game studio called uh, FacePunch Studios, who make the game Rust, which is a survival game, uh, they sell their game through Steam. Uh, and recently said, that's it, we're not g- going to sell the Linux version anymore uh, because there's not enough Linux users, it doesn't make enough money and there's all sorts of bugs in the tools that we're using so we're just going to stop doing it. So, my question is, um, how do you rationalise choosing proprietary software and solutions over open solutions? So, so I'm, I'm
2: probably sort of the, the, the target case for this. So, um, It's all your fault, John. It's totally my my fault. So... <laughs> Um, uh, Much like Dave mentioned at the beginning, uh, I I work for the man uh, and uh, in my day job I have to run Windows software. At home, uh, I use Linux, I use Dropbox, I sometimes use Windows machines, I have an Android phone which is sort of half open source and half not. Um, And essentially, my choice comes down to pragmatism. if it works at the time when I need it to work um, and it doesn't compromise so, so I have like a so I work in network security and network security is all about balancing um, risk versus convenience uh, and it's that's security generally um, And effectively my choice on proprietary software comes down to um, how much uh, conven- how much convenience, is there for me to use this versus how much of my, it's not principles um, because because a principle is something that you, you know, I, I draw a line and I'll go no further. So it's not a principle. It's about a choice. I would prefer to use open source. And if I can use something open source for that thing and it works in a convenient and easy way, I'll use it. And if it doesn't, then I don't
4: this, Without dragging us back to the previous point, this does link to the previous discussion because if you worked for someone who, let's say, wasn't the man, and you worked in a you know uh, open source free software, for example, whatever. If you worked for I don't know a, a company that, or a, a project, which thank God you're out there because we need these projects and companies. I'm just saying. Uh, but if you didn't, if you weren't the guy who's in there working for the man who will say, actually, there's an open source solution for this that's really good. Then they might not hear about it. Yeah. So that is again extending outside of Mm. our core group.
6: Okay. So I'm terrible for this because I am very much in bed with Google. So pretty much every Google service that exists, I use. Now, that's really just because it works. It does exactly what I need it to do. And I've tried. I've I've spun up a a Nextcloud instance on my VPS, which I don't use. Mm-hmm. Um, I pay for, uh, Google drive storage, um, because it does exactly what I needed to do. And like I say, I've, I've tried moving to other, um, to, to other services, but at the end of the day, I keep coming back to Google because it does what I want it to. And it comes back to the whole pragmatism thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a, uh, an idealist. I'm not a stallmanist. Forgive me. Um, I get the ideal, I really do, and the ideal is a really good thing to work towards, but in, in practice and in daily life, I don't believe it is necessarily appropriate. Yeah so
4: me. I use Google Drive that's what my answer to that the technical answer was don't really care what Dropbox are doing because I use Google Drive because I hate freedom that much
0: Well yeah same I've uh, got uh, Google Doc open with what we're talking about I, I was, yeah, yeah, I yeah, was in, in fact
4: lambasted <sighs> by somebody for not just sharing stuff with Google Did not you know that like LibreOffice can do online stuff now this is horrific. That was me wasn't it uh, No it was oh, oh. anyway
0: shush. But uh, is is LibreOffice online as good as Google Docs though Yes, apparently. All uh, right. okay, so if, if you The voice of authority on, says yeah, let, let, let's put out another poll. Who here has
5: used LibreOffice online?
6: i never heard of it.
5: Uh, only wow, like four, three or four people. Four or
6: five wow. people.
4: Wow, okay, that's not a lot, yeah. Who here has used Google Docs? Everyone <laughs> puts their everyone. hand up. <laughs> who, who uses Google Docs regularly? Uh, not that half, many people. Half, half the people, yeah. right. Have we got a mic at the back that, you know...
1: I'm on the board of directors of the Document Foundation, that's why, so I have to declare an interest. Um, so w- we did a lot of work on uh, LibreOffice over the last five years. In particular, Collabora Software did a lot of work on it. And we've taken LibreOffice and we've made it available as a service you can run on your server. We've integrated in with Nextcloud so that it will simply work with Nextcloud. It offers the f- uh, access to all the features of LibreOffice through a web browser. It works pretty well. Uh, it needs more users, so that we get more testing, and so that it gets stretched more. And if you are at all thinking about having a collaborative document activity at where you work, or in a club, or in a local society, try spinning up Nextcloud with LibreOffice and see how you get on with it. And you'll find it's, it is at least as good as uh, Google Docs. as It gives you real-time collaboration, shared markup. Uh, except you're in control of your own destiny.
0: There's one one very important question though. Um, uh, how does it work on mobile? Does it work on mobile?
1: Uh, s- how does it work on mobile? So it w- it will work on um, a, a a screen that's big enough to view the document. <laughs>
4: <Sorry>. Read no. <laughs> that's a very politic, That's a very diplomatic answer.
1: <laughs> on my Pixel XL. Um, On on your Motorola flip phone, it's going to be... well.
0: No, obviously, but with a 5.5-inch screen, is it as good as Google Docs? Because I use Google Docs every day
1: now. Okay, so what you'll be using is NextCloud, and you'll be browsing the document from NextCloud, and on your phone, you'll be viewing it, either with LibreOffice Viewer or with Google Docs, it, which opens ODF files. So yes, it works just as well. Do you
4: have to host it yourself, though? Because, I mean, I, I, we can do that here, but if I try and get somebody who's outside of the groups that we're talking about, and they go use this, and they'll go, but I'm not, I don't know how to set up a server I don't know how to do that. Is there a service where I can go and just use it? Uh, at the
1: moment, there isn't. So that's what you need. So what we've done the Document Foundation, we have a sysadmin who's spun it up for us on, uh, on a, in, in a virtual, virtualization environment. Uh, you can buy it from um, the Swiss company that does... Collab. Email, Colab. Colab host it and provide it. So it's in its early days yet, but I encourage you not to think that the only answer is Google Docs. It's mm-hmm. taken us yeah. a long time for community reasons to get something spun up. But um, it works really well. And if you were actually to try it... Which I admit is tough, because you can't just go and get a free version of it from Google. Mm. Mm-hmm. You'd find that it's actually pretty cool. And so, the more people who adopt it, as we were talking earlier, yeah, yeah. then the more people will invest in it. And the more people invest in it, the better it will get. And it's a piece of software that actually respects your freedom.
0: Yeah, and that is very important. But what is more important to me is that it works 100%. And if, if we're not there yet, then uh, you know we've got this vicious... Circle, we've got this problem. I need it to be working right now. I'm going to
4: kind of switch to Simon's side of the argument here because actually, I have used Next Nextcloud and I've used some of the integrated stuff just to play around with it, and it was really great out of the box. And that's, I mean, all I had it was as easy as installing something like WordPress, where you just go, you know, load the files, press a button for the installer, and it worked. For, so for,
5: for people looking for an even easier way to
0: install, oh, uh, hello, next oh, cloud. Oh,
4: <laughs> get your bells out, Chill.
5: snap install.
4: Nextcloud.
0: Uh, yeah, All yeah. done. I have actually tested that and it works very well. Thank you very much. There's
4: so on Nextcloud, if you've got Nextcloud, then you can use it. Simon was talking about you know, self-hosting.
5: And uh, 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 one of the ways that I rationalize some of the proprietary software that I use, for example, Dropbox, is yes, technically I'm capable of hosting my own uh, sync thing network or whatever it might be for synchronizing files and documents backwards and forwards. But it's the time it takes me to set that up and maintain it. And I've aside from work and, and, and the project, the open source projects that I'm involved in, and podcasting and all the other, I have limited amount of time. And I choose sometimes to just buy a service that somebody takes care of for me because it, it saves me time. And that's the value proposition that I find valuable there. So I make a trade off uh, for my time.
0: Quick shout out! We have two very important members of with here so right here right now. Why not talk to Randall, convert him from Google Docs for this all-important spreadsheet right up to LibreOffice? I mean, mm. you, um, and speak to him about Mumble too while you're at it, because that thing run uses Skype.
4: Yeah. So. Uh... Okay, so without obviously Randall's not here, so I can't answer for him. But I can tell you that um, in Randall's case, on Floss Weekly, he is hosting a show on the Twit Network, where they decide what platforms are used. They decide that they prescribe scripe, Skype, Skype, um, so we don't get the choice exactly of what we use. Um, so in that case, we don't need to talk to. Sorry. Good
6: idea on the screen. You know. No, totally,
4: I agree. I completely agree. All I'm saying is, don't talk to Randall. Talk to like Leo or someone. Uh, who really makes the decisions, because Randall, knowing Randall would do that in a heartbeat, even if Leo said no, because he's (laughs) that kind of guy, because he's awesome, but but maybe he might not be doing the show the week after, I don't know. (laughs) So maybe we need to speak to the upper management about that, but definitely I take the point.
3: Sorry to bring you back to um, the previous topic slightly, but it's um, sort of related. Um, If you're Um, Putting out
6: um, a free podcast and you're saying creative comments and everything, how do you uh, balance out the uh, whole idea of sponsors and them wanting to get their brand and everything across, Mm
5: -hmm. and
2: you're saying, I'm just giving away this podcast for free, so how do you balance that out?
5: I'll start on that. We don't have sponsors.
0: (laughs) Why are you clapping not having sponsors?
1: I wasn't looking no, for no. a round of applause. That's just a solution to our problem. problem. If you, if you yeah,
0: want, yeah. can you explain why you clapped that? Because I'm very interested in that. Oh, no, no, why no, why, no, no. why you why do you clap the idea of not having sponsors?
4: It's gone Jeremy Kyle now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I listen to a podcast, I, want to listen, I, want, I don't want to listen to radio. I don't want to hear commercials. I don't want to hear sponsoring. Now, I understand that it, sometimes it's useful for the podcast because... Yeah, just sometimes without sponsoring, you don't,
5: you, you, you can't. Okay, so, so to your point, I should be more accurate. We do have a sponsor. If you want a fine, fine VPS, go to Bitfolk, who uh, <laughs> uh, who provide our hosting, but we don't do ad reads.
3: On, on late night late, late, like Linux, you have uh, one or two sponsors, but it, yeah. it, it, it's just a short message. message. Yes. That, that's
2: that's. I'm okay with that. Okay, okay. But, uh, yeah, but some some podcasts do have like uh,
3: five minute sponsor and and, and I, I don't like that. I don't I don't want to hear that in a podcast. Well,
0: neither do I. I mean, you know, that's I don't like adverts. I skip them on other people's podcasts. I assume they do on mine. Don't tell the advertisers. But, um, <laughs> you better cut that. They're out. right
4: there. They're right there. Hello, Introware. <laughs> So ah. <laughs> so the, the question again then is, would you be willing to pay? So do you want the people who make the podcast to be able to keep doing it and afford to keep doing it? And if your hate for adverts is so much, are you willing to put your own money where your mouth is and say, I'll give you £1 a month or £2 a month or something? So, so that's yeah. brilliant. That is so, excellent.
2: So quick question. Uh, and how many of the audience use Patreon or something similar?
0: So that's about yeah. what, a quarter one third, or half,
2: maybe. One third, yeah. How many of you use Patreon to support more than 5 projects?
5: Uh, not many. Yeah, a dozen people maybe. Yeah. How many of you support
4: more than 10 projects? Uh th- two two of us. Okay. Yeah. Three. I- here's another Three. question. Does anybody not know what Patreon is? is yeah. I I, I've now, always called it Patreon. I yeah. saw it Patreon because it's a patron. Yeah, I don't patronize people. No, I patronize. No, you're them. not American. I I do patronize people. You've probably heard that. But, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. So it, it's it's about collaborative, like you know, support of things. And the the, the 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 problem is here that the 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 reality is when you've got bills to pay and you don't want to necessarily work for the man and you want to carry on doing you know podcasts and stuff. You need to fund it. You need to fund it. If you're going to take time out of your life where you could be. If you do it for fun, which is what we always did with the Outlaws, we never had sponsors. You don't have to clap that. We did get offered sponsorship, but we said no. And that's not because I'm really punk rock, it was just that we didn't like the company um, <laughs> that came along. And um, uh, if you want to hear more about listen, that, yeah. oh. <laughs> hey? yeah. if you want to hear more of that story, listen to Floss Weekly. Um, but the last one that we did about linux autos because it was very good. Yeah, so anyway, so the, uh, it's about like finding platforms that work and actually now what's happening is micro payments and stuff like that are really helping. So if you actually care about something and you don't want it to have adverts in it, even if you're going to skip them or not, then you need to support it. And and I don't think it's without being too patronizing, I don't think it's fair to demonize the sponsors because no, they're a business doing yeah. what they do and even if you don't if you don't like their business or you don't like their advert, just skip it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't sound like I'm having a go here. It's just and also yeah, so, yeah. some
5: some of these businesses that are supporting podcasts and open source projects are actually adding sustainability to those projects and 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 those podcasts by giving the financial support to cover their costs or you know what we do, which is all of the money that comes in, we hand out to developers f- for working on bodies of work. So mm. we have all of these people giving money to the project but then we hand that all back out to developers who complete bodies of work for the project. You're talking about Ubuntu MATE here. Yeah, uh, well, MATE desktop and Ubuntu MATE,
4: oh, right, yeah. 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 But it's about who you promote as well. So I, I forgot forget it. I'm just going to say who it was we had we had GoDaddy offer us money for Linux autos. Yeah, I know. So we were like, uh, let's ask the community. So we went on our forum and we asked them what they thought of GoDaddy and they were like, they are the devil. So we went, probably not a good idea to get in bed with them. Although, actually, as I've said, I love metal, don't mind the devil. But anyway, um, so we didn't. But if it had been a company that we'd liked and respected or a project that we'd liked, then I wouldn't have a problem saying that I would promote them. It's something that you use and you agree with. There's no problem in that. It's, it's all, if I'm there promoting Smith & Western or you know something like that, I'm not going to feel cool about it. So,
2: so again, I, I guess it's coming back to the the question about compromises, yeah. which is what what we started this
5: this this topic off about. What did we start on? <laughs> Rationalising the
0: choice of proprietary solutions over open yeah, ones. Sorry, I've taken that way about. I think we've deviated slightly. No, yeah, we might be a little bit off in the weeds. Um, I have had coffee. Yeah, but but as for the the whole um, balance between sponsorship and um, patrons the very simple solution as far as I'm concerned is what I've done with Late Night Linux or what we've done with Late Night Linux which is offering an ad-free feed. So if you support us to the tune of $5 or more per month on Patreon then you can get rid of the adverts and you don't have to skip them or don't have to listen to it. That's
2: cool. So predominantly talking about that sort of stuff um, I tend to uh, support projects that are doing web comics more than than podcasts um, because podcasts if you inject audio into into a feed, like you said, you can skip past it. If you're reading a webcomic, chances are you're not going to you're either going to be running an ad blocker for everything, hmm. in which case they'll never get paid. Um, or you're getting pages full of adverts. And one of the pod one of the projects that I supported um, was earning enough revenue from Patreon, Patreon, whatever it was. Um to just completely remove all the adverts from her website. Fantastic.
3: I haven't been to camp before, but I've just been listening to this particular discussion. Going back to what you were saying about um, should you use proprietary services like Dropbox, etc., etc. Um, if you pay money for that, you know it's like paying Richard Branson to buy another nail for one of his yachts or whatever. You, you know, it's just you're just a drop in the ocean as a customer for those. Uh, services and you don 't have to they won't you 't have to cry for them if you leave their services and move over to open source that goes without saying but to me what 's more important is on the other side of the coin that when right, okay I, I work for a cooperative that offers web, web hosting and online services so that 's where i 'm coming from but more than that, if you pay money to those people, two things happen: one is that the people who work in Small co-ops such as ours um, put bread on the table, you know, right? And um, secondly, the effect is that is like a multiplier effect because we're in touch with and supporting two hundred customers, and a hundred of them are, are you know a quarter of them are, are members as well, and each of them brings their own network. So every you know every quid that you put into the into the open source movement rather than into Google and
5: so on. So this is a really good point, and this is, a, this is something that we didn't discuss. So instead of using Dropbox or hosting my own, I could find an organization like yours and pay you to provide me the hosting solution that I want. And now I'm using an open solution and I'm supporting your organization and organically you're then supporting other projects in the process. Brilliant.
1: Um, just to answer Martin's original question about
2: what, what the comp- where the, we draw the compromise, for me, I find, I mean, taking work aside, because I have to use the computer I'm given at work, which happens to run Windows, but at home, the where I draw the line is if I'm doing stuff, if I'm trying to create stuff or I'm trying to look after my data, I will always use open source software to do that. But where I draw the line is if what I'm doing is purely for entertainment, so if I'm playing games or if I'm watching movies or whatever else, I don't really care about the license because I'm not going to be saying, oh,
1: well, I didn't like that scene of the movie or I didn't like that bit of the game. Well, I might go and change that so that I enjoy it more. Um, you know, I'll play another game or I won't play that game or I'll do something different in the game.
2: And so for me, it's about if it's purely about entertainment, then it doesn't matter whether it's proprietary for me mm-hmm. or not. It, there's no
3: value for it to free.
5: Those of you here that are using desktop Linux in some way or other, are you using desktop Linux because you believe in the philosophy or desktop Linux is the best operating system for what you want to do. So hands up, it's just the best operating system for what you need to do. Wow. Okay. So that's two thirds maybe. And then hands up for people that are using it for philosophical reasons. And yeah, both. Yeah, about the yeah, same. Okay.
0: Although for me primarily it's pragmatic. You know, I, for security is the main reason. security, stability, and speed. And I think that. Of so all that, that comes
5: under the best, op- is the best operating system for, for what you want to do, yeah, in which
0: case. Yeah. Exactly. I've heard a few people today say, like, work for the man, I have to use Windows, or yeah. I'm forced to do this. And it reminds me of a conversation that happened on Hampshire Linux User Group mailing list about 10 years ago when I said on that mailing list, I'm stuck because I have to use Windows at work. And a guy called Keith Edmonds, who's been prolific on that uh, mailing list for a long time, said, no, you don't. Your life is under your control. It's your destiny. You can control that. If you don't want to work for a company where you're forced to use Windows, change. Work somewhere, work somewhere else.
4: Thank you, thank you. I said to someone last night actually, if you don't like your life, change it. And you know, that's it's possible. I know there are outside forces and people have responsibilities, but Okay, you so you can change your life?
6: What if you do like your life?
4: Then don't change it. Enjoy it.
6: Ex- yeah, precisely. <laughs> So, I've, I've been working with Microsoft SQL Server for many, many years, and I've built up my uh, expertise and knowledge through working with it. Yeah. For me now to then try and make that decision to say, okay, well, I'm not going to do that anymore, I'm going to do something else, it's probably a little bit late in life to do that. I did
0: that. I flushed all the
5: SAP knowledge out of my
4: head. I knew you used to you, work on we, SAP, I did think. Were you that. working for yourself at that point? No. Right, okay. It was a hard reset on that. On using Google Docs rather than um, Collaboro LibreOffice, we also have to deal with the inertia thing. Some
5: of us, I would never, ever use Google Docs, but I have to use it. Because
4: even against company policy where I work, some of the managers insist on sharing their documents using it. Um, I am stuck with that because they will not change their behavior, and I can't dictate it. On the sort of choosing to use, the ethical ramifications of choosing proprietary versus open-source software, also with if you choose proprietary software, you have other ethical considerations such as
3: the behavior of the company in terms of its business and also the people who sit on its board of directors. And I would encourage
4: you to look at the board of directors of Dropbox and some of the things they've espoused outside of the company. It's an interesting one, though, because, I mean, so you can say that about, I know lots of people who who try and be very ethical consumers in all the fields. So how many people here drink, say, Coca-Cola? There's empty Coca-Cola bottles on the thing. Coca-Cola have murdered people in India, but people still buy it. And and I've drunk Coca-Cola probably today. In fact, no, I did today. But I know people would say to me, don't drink Coca-Cola because they're horribly horrific. But what am I going to do? Make my own cola? Not drink cola? Um, no, it's, drink, it's, drink
0: Pepsi. That's much better.
4: I actually, okay. do, yeah, but, I mean, I actually do prefer Pepsi, but usually. But th- who's to say they're great? If you examine the board of directors of Pepsi, they're probably just as bad.
0: Yeah. And um, I went and bought some Polos just now from they're Nestle. They're awful. They're just, yeah. Nestle, like the least ethical company in the world. Oh, Nestle, yeah. Try and boycott them. Well, exactly. <laughs> Try and boycott Nestle. Yeah, yeah, I'm just addicted to polos, though. Unfortunately,
3: I, I work for a man for the, the the company that has traditionally been very anti open source and is now becoming more more open to where managers are actually saying, "Oh, actually, yes, we should choose that open source option." Is that don't you think we've got a a, a duty to work in those companies and? try and push them and encourage them and mm-hmm. show them the door, rather than just abandon them and say, oh, I'm not working for you, you've, you've yeah. got no open source software, you're anti-open source etc.
4: So without getting too philosophical about it, I've had this discussion a lot with people recently, and it brings, this is going to sound really uh, philosophical, I promise I'm not stoned at the moment, I'm just coming down off the coffee. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it brings me back to Gandhi, let's be honest. Gandhi said an often quoted thing, which is, be the change you want to see in the world. And Gandhi was fantastic, but he was also an awful father, so there's all kinds of things you've got to work out there. But let's stick with the good parts of Gandhi, right? So, which were, Overwhelmingly, the majority of him. Um, so, yeah, he said that, and he defeated the British army by sitting down and not even fighting them. And he, but he's ma- he made the change that he wanted to see in the world. And of course, that went tits up with partition and all the rest of it. But again, let's not talk about that for now. But if I agree, you have to be the change you want to see in the world. Because so, who else is going to do it?
2: So, on on that note, um, one of the uh, one of the things quickly, that I, John,
0: it's five quick, o'clock. Quick,
2: okay, one of the things that. Um, we were, uh, not, not too long ago, I tweeted something, retweeted something that somebody else posted, which is um, like very much similar per quote, you know, mm. be the change you want to be. Um, if you want to see change, you need to reflect that in something you're doing. Now we said before about bringing people on board into open source and free culture and collaboration culture. We need to do that. And that, that in itself, that will make the biggest difference because the more people that know it, it's it, it's a network effect. The more people you tell, the more people it goes on to.
0: Right, so let's all get on WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and tell some, one of your <laughs> friends. Right, with that then, uh, it's almost pub o'clock. Uh, what pub are we going to?
2: Uh, so tonight we are at the hideout at the Sheffield Hallam Students' Union.
0: I look forward to seeing everyone there. Thank you very much, everyone.
2: Hooray! Thank you. <laughs>